In this edition of The Buzz on Business, Ryan Gabriel sits down with the director for the Center for Sales and Service Excellence, Kim Booker. They discuss success in sales, the relationship with entrepreneurship, and more. So welcome back to The Buzz on Business. My name is Ryan Gabriel, and we have a very special guest with us today. She's an entrepreneur, sales guru, and one of my favorite professors. Welcome, Kim Booker. Kim, thanks for coming today. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank y'all so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, So kind of the first thing we want to talk about is kind of your skim on your resume. Kind of talk to us what you've done um, from college all the way to the point now, if you could kind of briefly touch on that. Okay, great. Um, Well, I went to school at Texas State University. It was Southwest Texas, and it was really about the size Oklahoma State is right now. So it was 25,000 students in a small town. And I would say it was very um, impactful in my whole life. And so some of the things that I learned from um, we at the time we started a local sorority that became a national sorority. I was involved in a lot of things on campus. I worked on campus like you do. And um, I think that, you know, you don't realize when you're doing all that, you know, you're getting, you're learning leadership and uh, fundraising skills and how to relate to people anyway. But that got me my first job out of college, which was with Procter and Gamble just for a year and uh, didn't really want to move around the country at that time, but um, it was a great career. It was a good job to get, and I wouldn't have got it without the leadership skills at Texas State. Um, After that, I went to work for AT&T and sold some high-end technology and um, really enjoyed that job. And that led me to an interesting career move where somebody recruited me for nationwide insurance. And they were not in Texas and they wanted people that weren't insurance people. They wanted them to be strong salespeople and they were going to kind of fund your entrepreneurial journey if you hit certain metrics. And um, so I did that. Um, I didn't think I wanted to, lo- to leave my job, but they really hit on, hey, this is a chance to own your own business without having to come up with a lot of capital. And it turned out to be, you know, one of those things you don't realize, but it was a very pivotal path. And so I did that for 15 years and um, became one of the largest insurance agencies that didn't just acquire agencies and learned a lot about the insurance and mortgage and other businesses. And I sold that in 2010. And then I went back and got my executive MBA. And that also was something I just was, you know, hadn't been exposed to a lot of other business opportunities. And I thought that was a good time in my career to um, venture out. And also learn new skills. Um, I invested in a couple other businesses that we didn't have to manage at the time. But that executive MBA, I thought, was a transformational 15 months um, where you went every other weekend. You got to know people from all different backgrounds, went to China. And, um, you know, that led me to start a consulting or sales and management consulting company with a company called Sandler Training. So they are the largest sales and management training company in the world. I was going to develop my own curriculum. And somebody said, hey, Sandler already has it. And so I aligned with them. And then for the next six years, I ran a sales and management training company. Sandler's big push is the power of reinforcement. So less about just going rah-rah to a one-day seminar on stage and more about having a training center where people come in every week for a year in their president's club. And you'll have all different kinds of people. So you'll have traditional salespeople, but you'll also have bankers or attorneys or entrepreneurs um, or leaders in Fortune 500 companies. And we did sales. We did customer service, but we also did sales leadership. And the sales leadership would go for 18 months and they would come in once a month 
Um, but you really worked on skills where you didn't feel like the people didn't have to posture because they weren't with all their peers. They could come in and say, hey, I know I have this position, but I'm really struggling to hire the right people, motivate them, hit my goals. And then they could meet people from other industries where they could share best practices. But um, in that vein, I trained companies of all sizes and learned a lot about how to um, train people from scratch, that you could have people with great character and teach them how to sell and teach them how to manage. And um, so then after that, I sold that in 2016. My last son went to school, um, actually at OSU. And um, so I said, I want to see if all that I've learned would translate into, you know, technology or running a company. Um, and so I went to work for a company, two different software companies, but I helped uh, build out their global sales enablement. And then I went to work for a company based in Salt Lake City, and we built out the whole sales team and traveled back and forth for two years. But that was a great experience of taking all that Sandler stuff and all my entrepreneurial stuff. And can we scale a technology company quickly? And then I did not want to move to Salt Lake and was tired of traveling and said, hey, I'm going to take a break and find something in DFW at the end of the year. And I always knew I wanted to teach sales when I retired. I'd written a book when I was with Sandler. I'm not retired, by the way, but I mean, I just thought that was something I wanted to do later. And my husband actually just found the the OSU was looking for uh, someone to run the professional sales uh, department, and they wanted somebody with a master's degree and more industry experience. And this is how I came to meet Tom and come to OSU. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I guess a better question to be asked is what haven't you done here? So that's <laughs> a great thing here. Um, it's really interesting to hear kind of you know, you gone from Texas States, all these different jobs of what you've learned along the way. Um, so I guess my next question would be, what does it take to be successful in sales? And how does that d- relate directly to entrepreneurship? And what have you seen in that, if that make, question makes sense? Right. Yes. So there's a few things that I think are really critical in sales. So you can teach, I can teach, I think uh, good people can teach a lot of the way you sell, consultative way to sell. But sometimes, you, you know, you just can't teach character. And that's what I see the students here at OSU. So some of the things are character traits. So some of them, you know, just by looking at what is the opportunity as opposed to what's the obstacle, you know, because there's always going to be challenges. Even if you work for a company where right now you have the best product and the best price, somebody else is going to come back and, you know, make a slightly different mousetrap. And so if you can kind of look at the opportunity, I think that's one of the keys. And some of that, I think, is your set point for life. And um, I think also it's important for salespeople to have some ambition and drive. Um, because, you know, if you constantly cannot push yourself and you're not competitive in some way, then you're probably going to be a little bit complacent about making the phone calls or the activities that you need to do. Um, I definitely think that it's really good uh, people that want to learn and that are not afraid to go find mentors. So my piece of advice to you graduates um, that I talked about, not not you, but the graduates this week was, when you get into your job, you never know where it's going to lead you. So do the best while you're there, but also go find somebody that's doing it the best. It may not be your peer. It may be your boss's boss. It may be the top sales professional, but find those mentors because me- most of the time people will help you. And I think that's one of the good character traits that you need is you're always willing to learn and develop and not just sit back. Um, because if you sit back too long, you know, you're not going to adapt to what is a changing environment. So mm-hmm. I think that's important. Some of those sales skills and entrepreneurship are so tied together. So I would do a lot of training um, in with entrepreneurs. That's really where my heart is. I like to take small companies and grow them. But I was in an organization for about seven years called Entrepreneur Organization. One of the best things ever. They're all over the United States and internationally. And sometimes I would run into entrepreneurs and they go, oh, Kim, I really need help with sales because, you know, I, I'm not a salesperson. I don't know anything about it. 
And the first thing I would teach them is saying, look, you can go hire salespeople. I get it. And that might not be your favorite thing. But if you're going to lead a company and certainly as an entrepreneur, you need to understand it. You need to understand what types of things are going to make you successful. You need to understand sales and marketing. And um, so anyway, so a lot of time I would spend um, helping them just understand it. So that way they, even if they hired somebody to do it for them, they had a good acumen and awareness on sales. But in general, um, you know, there's a book by Daniel Pink called The Sell is Human. And he says 80% of people are using sales skills in their job, no matter what it is. And so just think if you're an entrepreneur, you're selling people to come work for you. You're selling mm-hmm. banks or investors to, you know, maybe invest in your product or service. Um, you're selling, um, I mean, you literally probably sometimes are selling your spouse and your family on why they should kind of go with you to maybe leave your great corporate job and take a risk. Exactly. So I think everybody's selling, but I think in the entrepreneurship arena, it's almost sales on steroids. Mm-hmm. No, that's great to hear. So going back on, you touched on it a little bit, just the mentorship point. How does that conversation go? Um, you know, you're, as for me, you know, graduating in a year, year and a half, walking into a new company, um, trying to rise up in the ranks. Um, how do I approach somebody who's kind of in the higher level um, to be able to start that mentorship? That's a great question. I would normally do it, um, you know, kind of what I would say, give them a, a stroke. Most of the people that are entrepreneurs or, or uh, top sales professionals or leaders um, really uh, take it as a compliment for some person like yourself to want their mentorship and their advice. So I would go to him and I'd go, Ryan, um, I know you've been successful. I've admired you since I've been here, you know, even a few weeks. A lot of people talk about how you built this company or, um, you know, how you're the top sales professional. And I really want to learn from you. Um, You know, can I buy you lunch? You know, can we, you know, buy you drinks or, you know, can I just spend 30 minutes of your time? Can I shadow you maybe someday when you're making some calls? And even if I just pick up a few ideas, I would really appreciate it. Now, I've been around a long time. And I have not ever seen where that did not work out Um, because most people really want to help, but they also like it that you're giving them an acknowledgement of their achievement. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would do. And I um, also find that if, especially if you're new in a company, take those opportunities to come in early, go to lunch with people, you know, um, go out after work uh, because sometimes those are where the informal mentor type connections are made. Yeah. Go to trade when you're at trade shows, spend the extra time to, you know, be with the leaders um, and learn from them too. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. And kind of looking at your life, you've had a lot of success. Um, can you attribute that to some of the mentors you had? And if so, who were those mentors and who would be the most influential in your life? Um, definitely, I would say it's like a, a mosaic of mentors because one thing that I would do, so when I was with um, Nationwide, so I was for 15 years, um, I was basically an independent contractor, but for the first three years, you had to do all these things to eventually get your independent contractor status and because um, they kind of funded you and your employees and your storefront. But very early, I would go to, I would try to make the president's club. So if y'all are in sales and your company has some sort of trip, I would move heaven and earth to make those because that's where then you're with all the elite performers in a relaxed setting and you can make lots of connections. So somebody gave me that advice and said, don't miss those trips. So I, you know, early on made the every trip I could make. And then when I was there, I would go find those people that turned out to be mentors. And there were many of them. And I would say, how have you built your business? What's worked for you? Because in the insurance business, a lot of people would have these side businesses that were also complimentary. I'd ask them how they did that. That's how I eventually had a mortgage business. And um, so I'm the one, I would say if I had one quality that, 
um, I'm proud of. It's not that I'm so smart or so great. It's more that I'm not afraid to go ask for help. And I'll usually find the people that are doing it best and acknowledge them and ask for help. So I would say make the trips, go ask for help like that. Um, But those are a lot of my mentors. And then um, certainly the guy that hired me at Nationwide, he was sharp and was a great manager and kind of taught me, took me from being kind of an employee mindset to that entrepreneurial mindset. Even today, I run into a lot of insurance and financial professionals, and they still think that they're just, they just think they're like a salesperson and they don't think entrepreneurially. They don't think Mm -hmm. about growth in that aspect or really how to manage their business. And that's a big, important thing to be able to do to be successful. And then I just left the technology world for three years. I worked under a gentleman named Mike Gibson, and he's a CRO, and he was a great mentor. I thought he's one of the best sales leaders that I've seen. And I've seen a lot that um, they're either effective in one way, like they're good at looking at spreadsheets, but boy, you don't want them in front of the customer because <laughs> they forgot how to sell. Or they're great salespeople, and they they don't really know how to train other people. They're just more like, I don't understand why everybody's not as good as me. And um, his name, he goes by Gibby, but he was very good at both aspects of leading large sales teams. And that was good. No, that's great to hear. Um, You touched on a little bit, but you know, the sales force being very, very competitive. There's that presence club that everybody's trying to get to the highest rank. Um, We talked a little bit earlier about this little phrase called bagels. Can you talk about that a little (laughs) bit? Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is something, it's not Sandler. Some of the stuff I get is, but it's from somebody at Sandler. There's so many creative people that kind of had their own franchises. They'd come up with it. And so bagels. So it was a, I'm not good at journaling. Some people will journal lots and lots of information, but I, I'm, I'm too moving too fast. So bagels is a quick way to journal. And the acronym says, start your day with bagels. And um, it's a five minute journaling exercise to get your brain focused. So B stands for the behaviors. So kind of focus on the top three behaviors that are important to get your job done. There's some study that says most people don't do two things that are important in a day that are going to drive their business in sales or as a business owner. So bagels is write down the three things that you need to do. Make sure one of them should be the, probably the most difficult thing of a day of the day. And if you're in sales, one of them might be, I got to make 40 prospecting calls, you know, before I go get my coffee or something. A is for appreciate. I write down things that I appreciate and normally at least one, but if you're kind of having a down day, it can be really helpful to write down more, five or six. But in general, one thing you appreciate. G is for goal. So I would just write down a recurring goal. If you're a sales professional and your goal is to make President's Club and make $100,000 your first year, every day I'd write down President's Club, $100,000. Only about 1% of people write down their goals and review them occasionally. This puts you in the top 1% if you do that every day. E is for evaluate yesterday. And I just real quickly go in and do, I do a scale of one to three. How effective was I yesterday? And it helps me mentally think about maybe where I've wasted time and I need to focus. L is for lessons learned, which is, you know, again, let's talk about a sales arena. Maybe I had a call um, with Paula and I let, I talk 90% of the time, which is one of the things we want to let the prospect talk 50%. So a lesson learned, I might have to write down my meeting with Paula yesterday. I didn't let her talk enough. And the last thing, the S is for success. And this is mandatory, right? To write down something you did well that day. So even if you've had a really tough day and everybody goes through professional ups and downs and also personal ups and downs, you know, you got up, you made the 40 dials, maybe you didn't get anybody on the phone, but that was a success. Mm-hmm. So no, that's, that's bagels. Yeah, that's something I definitely need to apply in my life because I'm a little unorganized right now. So definitely kind of looking back and engaging what I did well and what I didn't do well is definitely a game changer for sure. So kind of wanting to switch avenues just a little bit. Um, you touched on it just a tad bit, but 
Can you tell me your kind of story and vision behind your company right now, SalesBeep, and kind of what you want to do with that? Yes. Yeah. So as I, you know, as I took this job at Oklahoma State, one of the things was, you know, you you build the sales center and you teach. Um, and then also, you know, they want you to kind of always be in touch with the what what we consider like the real sales and, and management world so that I could still do some consulting. So when I came up here, I formed uh, SalesBeep. I made up and the idea was to kind of my thought would be a fractional vice president of sales. There's a lot of consulting companies now that are kind of fractional marketing professionals or fractional CFOs. And I really like the sales. So, um, but, and then COVID hit as soon as I moved up here. So I haven't done a lot with it. I've, I've had some relationships with people in the past where I've done a little bit over this last year, but I've been so busy building the sales center. But in a perfect world, there's a couple things I do with sales beep. Um, probably one at a time. I like to work with companies and not just train and get out. That's the thing I didn't like about Sandler. It was good. But I'm too much of, I don't want to just train you and be done. I want to help you actually achieve results. So that may be training. It may be hiring. So in SalesVeep, I'd like to work in that vein. And then I also want to um, have some sort of board position because I think a lot of boards, there's a big push now, a lot of boards to have more women because they they did a study, right? And the boards are financial, uh, financially better, I guess, if they have at least one female board member. But historically, they look to people that are only from a financial background, but especially in smaller, mid-sized growing companies, I think there's a push to have somebody with sales and marketing acumen. And so in a perfect world, that's what I would do with it. And I don't know if I would eventually scale that or not, or I'd have a partner in it. But that's kind of the reason I created that is I like to have some component where I help companies grow, but work with them for a while, right? As opposed to just in and out in a training capacity. Yeah, no, I love that. That's amazing to hear. I also love how you're involved in so many things, especially um, for me as being one of your students in your sales program. Talk about how you want to kind of increase the sales program here and what you want that to look like in the future. Perfect question. Yes. Um, I want a lot more students like you, Ryan. Uh, But a lot of the students don't know here at OSU that we have it. And it's open not just to business majors. It's open to um, any major. And what we want to do with that is um, have people that think they might want to be in professional sales. Like, again, they could be want to be entrepreneurs. We've got some finance uh, majors. Um, and uh, we want to kind of make it a very elite program to be an elite, not meaning, you know, as an you know, elite class, but I mean elite that you're putting in work, you're getting real world training in the classes. Um, you know, you're, you're up, you know, coming to the meetings, but you're also networking with other business professionals. We just raised money for a golf tournament. The students were actively involved in that. And my hope is to do a couple things. We've now got a sales lab on campus um, where we can do role plays and network and meet as a, as a team and companies can come in and recruit. Um, we're going to compete in several sales competitions against other universities next year. I really want OSU to be number one. Uh, probably anybody listening to this does as well. So I'm pretty competitive, <laughs> but I want the students and, and it's for the students, right? I want you to get recognition. I want you guys to have a lot of exposure, lots of opportunities to be recruited. So you pick the best job for you. And then we want to have uh, the right kinds of students that are not just willing to, oh, I just want something else on my resume, but they really want to put in the effort because if they put in the effort, I'll put in the effort definitely to help them find the right job, help them develop their you know, career path, help them get access to people that will mentor and open their eyes even to career opportunities and income opportunities that they might not have thought about before they were part of the professional sales program. Yeah, no, that's one of the big reasons I came into the sales program was really understanding um, and trying to develop those relationships and meeting new people, um, especially the income aspect of, you know, there's an unlimited range of income 
What would you say to a student that is kind of on the fence of sales? You know, there's that somewhat of a stigma around sales that, you know, people are trying to take your money, um, the bad salesman, the cars, car dealership salesman. What would you say to a student that is kind of on the fence about pursuing sales or joining the sales program? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so I'm I'm biased, right? Because I feel like I'm in sales my whole life. And um, but yes, there are people that think, hey, I, I don't I don't ever see myself kind of being told no or being rejected. Um, and the good and the bad is, you know, if you're good at sales, you can make a lot of money. The other thing is no company can really exist without it, right? They have to have sales before they even need somebody to count the money or supply chain or anything else. So all companies are going to need salespeople. And truthfully, even if artificial intelligence continues to take off, there's still that human component of sales that can't be replaced. So I think it's a job security. So but there are some people that just don't feel comfortable. They don't think they would be comfortable uh, doing a consultative sales process. But you've been in my class and I teach a really, I learned from Sandler how to do a consultative sales process to, to say, you know, if we're a good fit, great. If we're not Ryan, that's okay too. I help other customers like you solve these similar problems. Are these an issue for you? So once I really, I'd been selling for many years before I kind of learned that. And once I learned that process and saw it, it was just, you know, eye-opening that it made it much easier, much less pressure. And so I'm not saying that sales doesn't have pressure because it does. Mm -hmm. uh, But if you can learn a consultative process, then it does enable people that didn't think they could do well in sales to be really good at it. Just like those entrepreneurs I talked about, because then they could be like, oh, well, that's consultative. I'm not pushy. I'm not trying to sell stuff to people that don't want it. I am really a problem solver. I'm just good and I work continuously on finding people that will find value. How do I position my product so it's more of what problems do I solve so it resonates? Um, And, you know, that way it's not different than what we think of traditional selling. Mm -hmm. So, and there'll still be people that this is just not a fit. They would be much happier. I just want my, you know, $40,000, $50,000 salary. I want to know what I'm going to do. And I really don't feel comfortable stepping outside my comfort zone and actually asking people to set up an appointment or something. And I get that. Um, but, but there is, there is another stat that says about 50% of college students at some point will do a job that is business development or sales. And then we certainly see where sales and marketing are becoming so intertwined. It's hard to see in a company where one stops and one starts. So you may be a student that thinks you really love marketing but it's good to have that sales background because marketing and sales need to be aligned in order to really, you know, make a com- company grow. Yeah, no, it's amazing to hear because I remember when I was little with having a dad who was in sales, I was always a kid who was very scared to do anything and talk to and create new relationships. I was always a kid that like couldn't even order his own food because I was super, super scared to do so. And so now, you know, watching a dad go through sales and creating new relationships and building that now coming on the other side, being able to start those relationships and go down that sales route is an amazing thing for sure. Well, that's all the questions I have. So something we do in this podcast, every time we do the lightning round questions, which is around 60 seconds of questions, a little fun, this or that. So the first one would be, do you like the beach or the mountains better? Uh, The beach. The beach. Same here. Do you like Italian food or Mexican food better? Mexican, unfortunately. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that's great. So big town or small town? I'm more of a big town. Same here. OSU football or OSU basketball? Oh, I like the OSU football. Yeah. But I haven't been to basketball games, so I'm going to next year. So who? yeah, we'll see. You definitely need to. Yeah. And last question. I hope you get this right. 
Who is your favorite sales student in the CSSE? Oh my gosh. I know. I know. Who should I pick? Who should I mention? I don't know. Uh, But Ryan, you are very, very good. And you are certainly one of the top students. I just don't know if all my other CSSE students are listening, but you really are. I'll take that for sure. I appreciate that. And congratulations on your summer internship where you're going to manage people at a young age. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And thank you for getting me that. Honestly, you definitely set me up for that interview. So thank you so much. Well, I didn't get, I promise you, you got that job. So yeah, I just introduced (laughs) you to the opportunity. Well, Kim, thank you so much for coming on uh, Buzz on Business today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode on Buzz on Business. Give us a follow at OSU Entrepreneurship and Spears Business OSU on Instagram. To wrap up this great episode with Kim Booker, let's see what was happening on this day in history. October 5th, in 1873, the first ballpoint pen is patented by Alonzo T. Cross. It was patented as the stylographic pen. The A.T. Cross Pen Company is still in operation today and has been used by every president since the 1970s. During the Clinton administration, Cross Pens became the official writing instrument for presidential legislative signing ceremonies. Cross celebrates its 175th anniversary this year. In 1947, President Harry S. Truman addressed the American people for the first time on television The first television presidential address called on Americans to conserve food to help Europeans as they were still recovering from World War II. This initiative was short-lived as the Marshall Plan or European Recovery Program. It was enacted in 1948. In 1982, Johnson & Johnson began a nationwide recall of Tylenol after several bottles in Chicago were found to have been laced with cyanide resulting in several deaths. The recall cost Johnson & Johnson $3 million in today's money and led to protective coverings on medicine to prevent tampering. In 2011, Apple co-founder Steve Jobs dies after a long battle with pancreatic cancer. He resigned from Apple as CEO just seven weeks prior. A mastermind behind the Macintosh computer and early investor in Pixar, Jobs strived for innovation and perfection in minimalistic design. Apple is currently valued at $2 trillion and often ranked as the world's most valuable brand. That's what happened today in history.